the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Democrats maintain control of the Senate. Even when the polls look bleak, our candidates never gave up and never lost faith. U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Christopher Magnus resigns. Unless they're willing to realize that the policies from the last administration were and they were humane. Cryptocurrency giant FTX is under criminal investigation. There was evidence that FTX was commingling its clients' accounts to do trading. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, November 14th. I'm Mike Scott. In a meeting with Asian leaders over the weekend, President Biden assured them that the U.S. would not allow its competition with China to devolve into a conflict. Biden met with leaders from across Asia while attending the G20 summit in Indonesia. Tensions between China and the U.S. and its allies have risen in recent years, with the Eastern power growing increasingly aggressive toward Taiwan and Japan. Reporter Stephen Engel of Bloomberg looks ahead to the meeting between Presidents Biden and Xi and says there are lots of hurdles for both heads of state to discuss. There are so many sticking issues as the relationship between China and the United States has, in many accounts, deteriorated to the point where they've cut off military-to-military dialogue. They've cut off uh, some climate change cooperation uh, following that controversial visit by the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan. So there's lots of sticky issues to discuss face-to-face. That conversation will happen today here in Bali starting at 5.30 p.m. Uh, We're hearing from Jake Sullivan that it could last about two hours, and we're expected to get a press conference or thereabouts. It's going to be a speech by Joe Biden and then questions from the press at 9.30 p.m. So we'll get some more clarity on whether they made some progress on those sticky issues. Again, I, yesterday I talked to Myron Brilliant. He's the head of international affairs for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He says the tough issues are not going to be resolved in one meeting, but it's a good start. Engel goes on to report that one of the big issues Biden and Xi will discuss is the ongoing war in Ukraine. The real sticking point, obviously, is whether there can be some sort of condemnation of Russia's invasion of Ukraine as a war. Obviously, it is on the minds of all the participants uh, here at the G20. It was on the minds of the finance minister of, of Indonesia, Mulyani. Yesterday, when I spoke to her, it's on the minds of just about everybody, including, of course, the foreign minister of Russia, uh, Sergei Lavrov, who is here in place of Vladimir Putin. Uh, he essentially coming out of Cambodia in the ASEAN meeting 
yesterday uh, saying, you know, they didn't have a joint communique from that meeting, essentially blaming the United States and the allies for insisting on language that was not acceptable to the Russians. The Russians obviously are not calling their military exercises in the Ukraine as a war. So that is the sticking point right now. Now, Mulyani, Sri Mulyani, the finance minister here of Indonesia, did tell me that there can be other areas of cooperation, whether that's climate change and food security, pandemic response going forward. But the war in Ukraine is obviously a, a big sticking point. Now the latest on the midterm elections over the weekend with Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto as the projected winner of the Nevada Senate race over her GOP challenger Adam Laxalt. Democrats for now maintain their razor thin majority in the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer responded to the news saying Democrats holding on to their thin majority is a win, he believes, for the American people. Democrats will have a majority in the Senate, and I will once again be majority leader. This election is a victory, a victory and a vindication for Democrats, our agenda, and for the America and for the American people. There are three things that help the Senate secure the majority. One, our terrific candidates. Two, a, a, the, our agenda and our accomplishments. And three, the American people rejected the anti-democratic extremist MAGA Republicans. Schumer went on to say that Republican candidates had, in his opinion, no faith in elections. Contrast our candidates with some of the people they ran against. Our strong candidates beat some very flawed challengers who had no faith in democracy, no fidelity to the truth or honor. And even when the polls looked bleak, our candidates never gave up and never lost faith. As the MAGA Republicans stoked fear and division, Democrats were talking about how we delivered on issues that mattered to people. I think one thing the pundits and prognosticators missed was that in all the incendiary ads that blanketed the airways for weeks, People knew that Democrats were getting things done for them. So that's the second reason we won, our accomplishments and achievements. The American people believed in what we got done, and it stood in contrast to the other party. MSNBC's national political correspondent Steve Kornacki explains his new projection for the House. Estimate for where the House will land, and look at this, 218 seats needed for a majority in the House, and we are now estimating that Republicans will finish with 219. That is down from our previous estimate, which had them at 220. And I would stress the margin for error here is plus or minus four seats. Kornacki goes on to theorize how control of the House may actually come down to Alaska. Maybe it's worth mentioning this one now that we're in this situation where it's so tight in terms of House control with their NBC estimate landing things at 219, 216. Is there a universe where the Democrats, let's say a week from now, 10 days from now, are sitting at 217 seats and the Republicans are sitting at 217 seats? And what remains uncalled is the ranked choice runoff election scheduled for November 23rd in Alaska. Regardless of whether Democrats are able to squeeze out a slim majority, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she'll always have influence in her party. 
So my decision will again be rooted in what uh, the wishes of my family and uh, the wishes of my caucus. But none of it will be very much considered until we see what the outcome of all of this is. But there are all kinds of ways to exert influence. You just The speaker has awesome power, but I will always have influence. Looking at another hotly contested race in Arizona, the governor's race between Democrat Katie Hobbs and Republican Kerry Lake is still too close to call. Just got these just a short time ago, Paula, just uh, seconds ago. The Maricopa County uh, vote drop, it is about 98,000 ballots. It's, a, it's, a, it's the largest one. Um, what we can tell you is that Katie Hobbs still maintains her lead over Kerry Lake. She is maintaining a lead of about 48,000 votes. Now, that margin is tighter. It is smaller than it was here in Maricopa County the, the, versus the last report. The last report had that margin at about 57,000. Now it's 48,000. So Lake does advance, makes that margin a little bit tighter, but Hobbs maintains her lead. What we are now told by Maricopa County, and we're doing some loose math here, is that they have just under 100,000 ballots left. So not that many ballots left, 100,000. Um, they are moving very, very rapidly here now that the processing has been done. They simply have to tabulate that. They anticipate that they will get through the large bulk of these ballots by tomorrow night. For the Republican Party, they are already trying to assess issues with messaging and candidates as such. Many are pointing the finger at former President Donald Trump and are suggesting the GOP needs new leadership. According to polling, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is favored by seven points over Trump in a potential primary fight. The poll released by YouGov says that 42% preferred DeSantis over Trump, 35% for now remain with the former president. On Saturday... Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Chris Magnus resigned, forced out by the Biden administration. Allie Bradley of News Nation reads part of the Magnus resignation letter. Commissioner Chris Magnus submitting that resignation late yesterday after only being in that position for a little less than a year, only about 11 months. Now, this is what the commissioner had to say. He said, quote, it has been a privilege and honor to be part of your administration. I am submitting my resignation effective immediately, but wish you and your administration the very best going forward. Now, this resignation was accepted by President Biden, the president thanking Magnus for his service at CBP. But this comes just days after DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas asked for Magnus's resignation, saying if he didn't resign, he would be fired by the president. So Magnus was in charge of the nation's largest law enforcement agency for about 11 months. He oversaw 60,000 employees. Bradley explains where customs and border protection may go from here. Now, in that time, more than 2.5 million people entered the U.S. illegally through our southern border. The record number of encounters, just one of the reasons for the push to get him to resign. Now, sources tell me that Deputy Commissioner Troy Miller is the one who is going to step back into the role of commissioner until someone else is appointed. Agents tell me that they are optimistic with Miller back at the helm, saying that he actually engaged with them while he was interim commissioner. Now, this all comes as more buses 
forces are heading to D.C., New York, and Chicago from Texas. Governor Greg Abbott saying he has sent now 13,000 migrants to so-called sanctuary cities since April. After reports began to surface that another bus would be en route to Philly, which would be the first in the city of brotherly love, now that city's mayor is saying, quote, to the best of our knowledge, a bus has not left Texas destined for Philadelphia. During his tenure at the agency, Magnus has allegedly clashed with other immigration officials over how to handle the influx of migrants at the U.S. southern border. Art DeQuato, vice president of Border Patrol Council, says that while he's unbothered by Magnus's departure, he fears that not much will change. Look, but by no means was I a fan of, of, of Magnus at the time, and, and obviously... You know, there's chaos that's been going on at the border since day one of this administration taking over. But, you know, I fear nothing's really going to change unless they actually decide to enact policies that were working under the last administration. And you had uh, Alejandro Mayorkas was saying that there was no issues at the border, that it was secure. There's many, many quotes of him saying the border was secure. So if it was secure then why did he feel that he had to uh, tell Magnus to either resign or get fired? Because obviously it's never been secure. So you either admit that you've been wrong this entire time and try to fix it, or you just continue, you know, your day by day and not getting anything done. And I, and I really truly fear that the, the, the second part of that is what's going to happen. They're just going to have that same revolving door now. And, you know, the chaos is going to continue unless they're willing to realize that the policies from the last administration work and they were humane. Cueto explains that the Biden administration is, in his opinion, failing at protection of the U.S. southern border. It's frustrating because you're out there trying to do a job. You're out there trying to protect our nation's borders. And the leadership is just letting everything slide. They're, and they're going on uh, national media saying the border is secure. They're saying there's not a problem at the southern border. But you know what? It impacts the entire country, not just the agents that are out there working, but the country. This is what happens. It's a complete domino effect. When you have these high number of illegals entering the United States, you have agents now getting removed from their law enforcement duties, having to do administrative duties to process these individuals that are coming across. So what does that do? It leaves gaps on our southern border, and that's why we're getting flooded with fentanyl, heroin, and methamphetamines, and all of those drugs are coming into the United States. It's not just the record number of individuals that have entered under this current administration, but it's the record number of drugs that have been in the United States under this administration and the record number of individuals that have overdosed on fentanyl because this administration has been relaxed and haven't cared about the actual enforcement on our nation's borders. When asked about busing migrants to sanctuary cities, Cueto says he's just happy that it's bringing attention to the border crisis. You know, the bigger thing, what it's doing is it's bringing more and more attention to the problem so these individuals cannot, can stop lying and saying there's not a problem. For the longest time, we've been seeing these individuals come across into this administration and everyone in D.C. saying there's not a problem. Now, when you're seeing it firsthand, you cannot deny that the problem exists. So, honestly, you know, hats off to the governors and those individuals that have taken that extra step to bring the problem to D.C., to the national media, so everyone can see that it is a very big problem and it is happening each and every day. According to reports, Magnus has tried changing the agency's culture, such as adding more female Border Patrol officers and tightening rules for pursuing migrants fleeing in cars. Two high schools in Alabama will no longer bear the names of Confederate leaders. 
Daybreak Insider's Jason Walker takes a look at this story. Montgomery County Board of Education voting for new names for Jefferson Davis High School and Robert E. Lee High School. Lee will become known as Dr. Percy Julian High. Jeff Davis will be JAG High School. The J-A-G acronym represents civil rights leaders Frank Johnson, Ralph Abernathy, and Robert Grates. Both schools serve mostly black students. Jason Walker reporting. Over the weekend, President Biden's administration announced a freeze on accepting student loan forgiveness applications after a federal judge in Texas ruled the program unconstitutional. The Biden administration has stopped accepting new applications to forgive up to $20,000 in student loans for each borrower after that federal judge in Texas struck down the plan, calling it unconstitutional, after two borrowers who did not qualify for relief sued the government, arguing the process was arbitrary and unlawful. The White House press secretary in a statement saying the administration disagrees with the district court's ruling and that the Department of Justice has filed an appeal. The Education Department three weeks ago had paused disbursements after a separate judge asked for time to evaluate whether the program should proceed. The president pushed forward with the relief program, which boosted his favorability with voters, despite economists like former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers warning it would worsen inflation. The White House says 26 million borrowers have applied for forgiveness and 16 million applications have been accepted. The application webpage now shows a message saying that student loan debt relief is blocked. The Biden administration announced the plan ahead of the midterm elections aiming to forgive about $10,000 in loan debt for borrowers making less than $125,000 per year, while those who receive Pell Grants would have up to $20,000 of their debt canceled. The plan to cancel outstanding student debt will cost the country roughly $400 billion, according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, while another budget model pegged the cost at nearly $1 trillion. A big name in cryptocurrency may be in a lot of trouble. According to reports, authorities in the Bahamas have opened an alleged criminal misconduct case surrounding the crypto giant, the exchange titled FTX. FTX was once one of the most trusted brands in crypto, but it filed for bankruptcy on Friday after its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, lost his fortune in the past week amid allegations of commingling customer funds with his company's trading operations. Carlton English is a reporter at Barron's and explains details of the financial scandal. A lot of things happened. So um, what's interesting about this story is FTX was kind of considered one of the so-called grown-ups in the crypto space. We saw a number of crypto companies um, have trouble. Some even filed for bankruptcy earlier this year. FTX had been kind of the lender of last resort to many of those companies. But it emerged through a report from Coindesk uh, last week that uh, an affiliated company of FTX's, actually much of its balance sheet was kind of comprised of these tokens that FTX created. Generally not a good idea. Um, other reporting showed that there was evidence that FTX was commingling its clients' accounts to do trading um, through this other business as well. Um, so basically, a lot of uh, trouble over the last week, which culminated with uh, FTX filing for Chapter 11 on Friday. Ben Levison, deputy editor of Barron, says 
regulators should have been involved from the beginning. I like to know, Carlin, where were the regulators here? I mean, um, you had essentially uh, FTX lending money from customer accounts to their trading operations. And basically, uh, if you have an account at Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley, they can't do that. I don't understand how this was a ladder. I don't know where the regulators were. We're getting investigations now, Natch, but uh, where were they before this happened? Barron's assistant editor, Andrew Barry, says that FTX tanking Shouldn't surprise anyone, as it has something in common with other companies that have had plummeting stock. Here's some advice for investors. If you see a company buying naming rights to a stadium or arena, sell the stock. <laughs> uh, FTX uh, did that with the Miami uh, arena. It's basically a sign that companies are riding high, have money to burn on essentially dubious imaging enhancing uh, activities. And so uh, FTX did this a year ago when Bitcoin was tripled the current price. There's a great history of disasters involving this. Enron and Sports Authority put their names on stadiums and subsequently went bankrupt. And if you had a portfolio of companies with naming rights, it's probably it's been a big loser. Sources say investigators believe at least one billion dollars of client funds is missing at the failed crypto firm. The bite of inflation will be felt at the holiday table for this year's Thanksgiving and Christmas. Correspondent Jackie Quinn has totaled up the numbers. Higher prices are hitting everyone this holiday season, and food vendors are seeing some of the largest increases. Turkey sellers face a double whammy, prices doubling around $6 a pound, with supply lower because of avian flu. At the wholesale level, the price of eggs have more than tripled since last year. Milk prices rose 34%. Small companies like bakeries and food specialty stores have to raise their prices, but they're also worried about driving customers away during this key holiday season. So they're trying to find ways to cut their costs, like one baker who's reducing her specialty, Bouche de Noël, down to one log from two. Others are throwing in a free item if a customer spends a certain amount. I'm Jackie Quinn. A U.S. ban on the social media platform TikTok could be a possibility. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens is looking into this developing story. Current FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr referred to TikTok as China's digital fentanyl on Fox News, agreeing with potential congressional legislation to ban TikTok because of security risk. Meanwhile, the China-owned company has quietly entered the U.S. e-commerce market this week, just in time for the holiday season. China can now have even more access to your personal information when you type in that credit card number to buy items through the app using a feature called TikTok Shop. TikTok is also inviting U.S. businesses to take part in that initiative. Tasha Stevens reporting. And finally... A sign that the holidays are closer than you probably want to admit to has arrived in New York City. An 82-year-old Norway spruce was hoisted into place at Rockefeller Plaza. The 14-ton tree will be decorated with thousands of lights and topped off with a star with millions of crystals. Rockefeller Center head gardener Eric Pose says it's a great tree. This tree is a big, beautiful Norway spruce. It's uh, 82 feet tall. It's 50 feet wide, and it's a nice green tree that's going to be nice in front of Rockefeller Center. The former owner of that tree at first 
thought he was being scammed when he was contacted by the Rockefeller Center head gardener. The initial thought was really disbelief on my part because who knows what type of scams are out there. Um, and when I met Eric, um, you know, and did checking out, you know, it says, hey, this is legitimate. Uh, there were really no qualms about donating it. The tree had a long journey to New York City from Queensbury, New York. From what I can see, it certainly made it down here very intact. And I think it's going to look great once it's up. That Christmas tree will be officially lit on November 30. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.